Hello, everybody. Hello, 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 and welcome to another fantastic episode of Nerds of the North, the premier former video game show hosted by two bros in a third person, only live from Simon's main floor, Matt's second floor, and Hannah's main, main floor. floor. I forget where you were last year. Perfect. I am the father, son of the goalie host, Simon Pazor. Don't insult every my faithful squad mates. How are we doing, lads? I'm good. Pretty good. We're on uh, school eve tonight really feel like I, I know last time i mentioned i was like yeah i'm like ready for summer to be done suddenly when it's the night before i'm not ready for summer to be done i think i was ready for yeah. a summer job to be done <laughs> exactly but, uh, but it'll be good that's all right hannah how you doing i'm good yeah i just finished doing a bunch of chores and work is calming down so we're good there you go. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. Uh, before we start talking about the new episode of House of the Dragon, before we get into that sweet, hot D, I do have to ask, Matt, I'll go to you first. I want to know your panic level. Where's your panic level after finding out that Mikhail Sapochnik is stepping down as showrunner of House of the Dragon? Well, this is this is news to me right now. He didn't know. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, I this mean, was a fresh panic. yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, it's a big loss. It's not that I don't have faith in the other people to do a good job, but he is really great. I mean, he's some of the best of Game of Thrones came, came from him. So, I mean, regardless of the experience and quality and creativity of everybody else. That's, that's gotta be a loss to, to have someone like that not involved anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the report, I don't know if it's a rumor report, whatever you want to call it, is that he's, uh, he signed a new deal with HBO that basically gives him, um, they call it first look development deal, mm -hmm. which essentially gives HBO the priority for whatever he does next. So it sounds like he wants more creative freedom, which I, I mean, I get, he was like the best part of game of Thrones. he, held it up he's like given this it's the equivalent creatively of like uh when you're you know your dad lets go of the training wheels now you're ready to go right he like he, he gave us the push and now house of dragon in theory can run on its own right but i mean the guy that we talked about last week uh steve toussaint i'm pretty sure it's how to pronounce his last name who plays Corliss, is the only one who's made a statement. He said he was absolutely gutted, which, what? Ah, uh, I wish gutted was an appropriate Canadian slang because it just sounds so right with their accents. Absolutely gutted, right? It's perfect. It's mm -hmm. perfect. Very appropriate Harry... for a show like this, too. <laughs> right on theme, yeah. I watched all the, like, I just, I've been rewatching the Harry Potter movies in preparation for uh, Hogwarts Legacy coming out. And, like, there's no word in the Canadian accent that sounds as good as when any British person says brilliant. Oh man, that's bloody brilliant. It's perfect. It's amazing. It sounds phenomenal. I can't do it, but not phenomenal is Mikhail Sapochnik leaving. Uh, Hannah, where's your panic index? Well, this is news to me as well because I've been busy the last couple of days, but um, I'm concerned because Miguel Sapochnik did, like, like you guys said, the best episodes of Game of Thrones or some of the best episodes. And the season hasn't missed so far, so I don't know. Because it's, it's really, I think, the inaugural season being really good is one thing. When it's fresh and it's pretty like we have so far, and it's interesting. But that second season, 
that's what's going to be like the make it or break it, I think. But we'll see. I just HBO is not going to repeat what they did to Game of Thrones, I don't think. So I think I it'll think, be okay. I don't think George would let them. No. <laughs> I think no. he would do whatever he can. It's like, I mean, we're seeing it. We haven't talked about it because we haven't done a regular episode of Nerds of the North in a while. But I've also been watching and enjoying The Sandman. And that's what you hear from uh, Neil Gaiman, too. He's like, I had to turn down so many adaptations to make the one that I wanted. I feel like George got burned a little bit. He's like, this is the adaptation that I'm proud of. He's talked about, I've seen interviews from the like previous years, how Damon Targaryen is his favorite character. He's like, I'm not letting them fuck this up. So at least we got George, but that means he's not writing the fucking books. So, you know. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure he, part of why he's upset is because he had to change his ending after how HBO executed it, so. Yeah, I mean, I would love to, I'd not, sh- I mean, I know that George R. R. Martin is a fantastic writer. I'm not sure that he's such a fantastic writer that he could have logicked Bran into being the king, and that would have been a popular ending regardless. Do you know what I mean? That's I mean, I think I, I don't know, I'm very strongly of the opinion that the ending of Game of Thrones isn't bad because of what happened. It's bad of because of or it's bad because of how it was written and how little setup there was. So I, I, I believe I, I I I have faith that if they didn't suddenly turn Bran into a robot for the last three seasons of the show, that True. he could end up being king in a satisfying way. True, yeah. Show Bran, there was no way he could do it, but he might be able to. Maybe Brook Brand, Book Brand is a whole different kettle of fish. Anyway, let's uh, push that existential crisis down the line to talk about this episode of Hot D. And uh, I got a hot take for your Hot D, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it was still a good episode, but this was my least favorite episode uh, by a lot. I wasn't sure if it was just a headspace that I watched in on, on Sunday. I was like, maybe I was out of it, you know, I don't know. I had a really good meal before it, a Burger Week burger. I was feeling good. Maybe it just what I don't know, wasn't receptive to it. So I watched it again. Mm. Still better than 95% of other TV that you're going to watch. But this was uh, uh, like by, by a long way is my least favorite episode. And it's pretty simple. Why? <laughs> Everyone was miserable. <laughs> like I can only handle. So I know it's Game of Thrones. And so you guys, you could probably gonna be like, ah, you are, what are you signed up for, right? But this was just like everyone was mad at everyone else, and uh, I like the the criticism I suppose of the previous episodes was that they were moving too fast. But I like the royal hunt just felt like it went on forever. In any show, I'm sorry, I know that it's realistic and whatever. You're just gonna lose points with me in terms of pleasurability of watching experience if there's like an extended scene of just an animal being brutally killed and you have to hear the cries i'm like Ugh. so like we finished that scene i turned to my girlfriend i'm like i didn't enjoy any part of that i understand like the thematic significance and all that jazz uh, but i didn't enjoy any part of it so like the hunt didn't work for me viserys was a sassy bitch and he's incredible but he's got so many death flags now it's insane i actually thought i, th- I was convinced he was gonna die several times i thought he was gonna like fall over and, and impale himself on the the heart's horns was actually I was I would have bet a good amount of money on that but he didn't he survived 
in sheer misery. No one was happy this episode. So that's my hot take. But I immediately turned on Twitter and everyone was like, this is the greatest episode of the show so far. I'm like, okay, so that's just me. But I'm open to uh, open to being turned. Well, I guess I, we're going to have a pretty spicy podcast this week because I, I agree. I think this was easily the like least entertaining episode of the show so far. Again, still good. I, I enjoyed watching it, but... Um, I find I had some there's definitely some really cool moments but I had some issues with the battle at the end um and yeah as well the hunt I feel like really not much happened and that's okay not a lot needs to happen um but if not much happens I think you need just some more interesting dialogue and scenes than what we got again not bad but um it did feel like a bit of an inconsequential episode. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I know the, like, they were clearly trying to draw some parallels between Viserys and Rhaenyra with, you know, the hunt and the, um, and the, uh, seeing the, the stag and, and, you know, how they, those things kind of went differently or whatever. But I feel like they tried to make some points that just weren't as, um, kind of powerful as they thought they were and so for me it was sort of like things that i i think were probably meant to be kind of like big symbolic moments in the episode fell a bit flat where it's like oh and and then there's this and it's like okay yeah is that it you know um so yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah i agree i still enjoyed it it was still you know it was still good there there was some some good scenes some good character stuff um but i feel like more needed to happen and yeah this is my my least favorite episode so far hannah is it a three-peat yeah like i didn't hate it i i appreciated the like little bit of pushing some chess pieces around and like the update that sort of happened because three years did pass since the end of the last episode but I remember watching it and getting to the hunt part, and I'm like, oh, this is a filler episode. She's in the forest with Sir Kristen Cole. This is a filler episode. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. they could have made it a lot better, but it was just it was just very slow for me. I remember um, getting to, like, one of the ending scenes where she's with the white stag, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's going to cut to black. And then I'm like, oh, there's a whole battle left. Wow. <laughs> yeah that was that was my uh take on that but i did there were some moments that i really did like so yeah and the the show is starting a, a distressing trend that i am absolutely confident that it will not continue and that is uh less and less matt smith specifically dialogue he doesn't actually i mean he i think he yells at um the crab eater but he doesn't actually speak to another main character in this episode. He does a fair amount, but, and his acting is great, but like, man, you thought that last time you were starved for Matt Smith content, prepare to be really starved for Matt Smith content. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that storyline was sort of lacking a bit in this episode. Um, Also, I feel like the way it was sort of, segmented was a little bit odd like you have the first scene and then there's like unless i'm misremembering there's like 40 minutes of viserys and rhaenyra and the hunt 
and then we get the battle at the end. It's like, I feel like we could have just used a little bit more, sort of sprinkled in here and there. Um, also, I kind of would have... Ex- oh, sorry. sorry. I was just going to say, I would have expected more to happen with when you have a three-year time jump. It feels yeah. like nothing's changed. And I know, like, realistically, that can happen. You know, three like, three years from any given time might not be drastically different, but... You know, when you see it's like, oh, there's a there's a two year old baby now. It's like, okay, man, okay, okay, like what what's been going on in that time? Oh, nothing. Sure, okay. So I don't really know why you <laughs> needed the time jump then. Yeah, exactly. Anna. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh yeah, no, this is what I was gonna say. It felt like it was two episodes separately with like one chunk of one at the beginning a whole episode and then the chunk of it at the end like it was really weird i agree with that it just it didn't feel like it meshed at all yeah and and i think the the battle at the end was was cool um but i was also i when it when it turns out to sort of be the what's at least appears to be the climactic battle of this conflict that's been going on for three years now it's like were there like 200 of them? Why did it take so long? And like this doesn't seem like a multi the... Yeah, this so doesn't crazy. seem like a multi-year battle. It seems like a small skirmish. See, yeah. so what they didn't convey properly in the show, I think, was that the crab feeder was um using like the caves and stuff to hide, so the dragon was ineffective. And they just kept having the advantage with the archers, so they just kept getting like stalemates, basically. And I mean, they conveyed that and that they sent it, but like I didn't believe it. Like, I mean, we'll get to the fight when we get to the end because there, I mean, it's, it's got its own um, yeah problems. I... But but like, the, I mean, they they did they did say that, but then when you watch it, like it doesn't. It's like, well, I don't see how this was. Yeah, like, problem, but, like intellectually, yeah. I know that that's there, but yeah, like you said, it's not the way it was presented wasn't believable because it doesn't, it doesn't even, it's not presented as like some labyrinthine cave or anything like that. It's just sort of they pop their head out and it's like, he's right there. What's stopping you from just taking a thousand guys and running into the cave after them? They're right there, you know? I'm just breathing into it with the fire. <laughs> yeah. And that's what was it Incredibles I mean. one or two where like the fire comes through the cave? It's like, yeah, it's it's got nowhere to go. It will continue to the end, right? Like you just keep breathing fire. Like, is that that hard? Sorry. Go ahead, Anna. I don't know. It just it, it seemed kind of awkward. And like I was also remember thinking during the last battle, I was like, so why didn't they do that in the first place? Yeah, I I feel like how how I read it was the king offered help and that kind of pushed them to take the risk to do it because Damon kind of wanted to do it without the help. So it's like this is something they've maybe been considering, and now that the king is coming to help, they're like, no, no fuck you, we're gonna do this on our own. Hey, let's do that really risky thing that we were thinking about that we maybe weren't gonna do until now. Um, That's valid. But but also. But that then also is kind of undercut by the fact that this has been going on for three years. <laughs> it's like, surely you would have tried something like this by now. Like, this is not like, the, obviously it was very risky to Damon, but like, it it wasn't like such an insane strategy that you would have needed to be pushed to the point of desperation to try it. 
you know, like something could have been figured out. No, this was like a a faint, but it wasn't like the uh, the, there wasn't a Hail Mary. And besides, like, uh, well, you know what? Let's put a pause on the on the battle scene. Clearly, we have a lot to to say about. It. Well, let's let's go to a two year old's birthday party. Man, this takes me back to my days of doing birthday parties on the regular, and I could never understand why people would get these fancy fucking birthday parties and book an entire restaurant for a kid who will not remember it. My kid is not getting shit until they're making memories. At that point, we'll start putting in the work. But other than that, I mean, like whatever, he's gonna be happy with a truck. Why does he have to have this? That being said, it is the. Uh, the prince, a new prince of the realm. I can kind of understand it, but this was like the start of just Viserys being annoyed the entire time. And then it has a cut to, I mean, this was like, I think an underrated joke in this episode, but this would be, I mean, I'm sure you, we've all had moments where we have a song stuck in our head. And so we can hit repeat on Apple music or Spotify or whatever. And Rhaenyra shows us what the medieval version of that yeah. is. <laughs> and it's like just funny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just, I loved, it's a tiny little thing, but I just love, yeah, love the joke of play it again. He's like, okay. And you can just see him stretching out his hand. He's like, yeah. <laughs> ow. All right, here we go. Well, yeah. and then I also really liked how it was basically a spin on a, like a, a mom and teenage daughter argument kind of thing where she's hiding in her room blasting music the mom shuts it off she turns it back on mom shuts it off can i help you it's just it was funny yeah. it's like i don't know it was funny but it was the start of like i i can't even i'm not even sure that i have the, the proper words to describe it but part of the reason that we love or at least i love the, the game of thrones and now house of the dragon drama is because it's like real drama but heightened and it's written in kind of a tight way where it's like damn like what would you do although i saw a couple uh posts on reddit of advice of what was should have done last week and it's actually almost word for word what lionel strong tells him to do this week fun fact but this was the first argument in a few this episode where it it delved a little too far into the trope of dear god could you just talk about it like, I know that's tough in, in this place, and we established I'd rather face Beleriand the Dread than my own daughter, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you had three years. There needs to be a little more movement than that. So I was like, uh, okay, so we're exactly where we thought we were going to be, huh? Like, they haven't made any interesting moves, and so it just kind of felt ordinary. In uh, There's a little bit of ordinary in my fantasy show, more than I wanted, at least, where I was like, ugh. Well, yeah, I, I feel like... like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, it's just something I picked up in the beginning was that, like, you know the whole... Um, the guy that he was getting eaten by the crabs and then Damon comes in on Caraxes and he's like, yes, my prince, save me, and then he gets squashed. Like, it just... That felt really, like, gimmicky to me and, like, just for shock value or, like, a laugh, and that doesn't really feel, like, Westerosi to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, like... Having the whole setup with um, what's her face, Alicent and Rhaenyra, kind of like mirroring the mother daughter thing, and like all of this tropey stuff, is like I'm like, is this like the Westeros sitcom episode or something? Because it's weird. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like there were chunks of what should have been two different episodes in here, because obviously, like you need the time jump because plot wise, a lot of this 
has to do with the baby. So you need to jump forward in time so you can have the baby for all this stuff to happen. But then, yeah, everyone's relationships have not changed over three years. And I understand it's one episode to the next, but if you're going to have a multi-year time jump, things need to actually change. Because then it just, it kind of makes both, it, it makes all the characters seem... Um, not unintelligent is the right word, but just very like kind of stuck in their ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, so you're telling me over three years, none of this has been even slightly resolved. And it's like, I get one episode to the next. That's okay. But when it's three years, it like, it doesn't, it doesn't make anybody look good. It's like, I, it doesn't really seem believable to me that like, not, not that things are good necessarily. Cause I can see, things not being good but just the fact that nothing has changed at all it's like come on guys like get your shit together you know like you said simon just somebody talk to someone else yeah it's it's like one of the most hated tropes right it's just like this could have been resolved if you guys just talk about it and like the fundamental problem with this episode is exactly that i also am not a big fan of the like i i think it's uh What's his dick Otto that says at some point like ah oh, the king is too his or no I think it's the Lord of Coin or the Master of Coins it's like the 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 uh, prince is too his infancy is over now it's the time to like what like those conversations weren't happening the second he was born I didn't I didn't believe yeah. that there was anything significant about the oh now he's two well now like okay these things should have been ramping up like literally for years you know it so. It's just now that the the kid is less likely to catch a quick illness and die, they're like, okay, well, hello, why hasn't he named him heir yet? They're getting antsy. They thought he'd do it by now. Sorry for cutting you off. No, I mean, I understand the point. It's just I, they they brought it up. It was like, ah, oh, like, uh, and like we've all been kind of. It just, it, I didn't, I didn't buy it. They did I, a lot of work to make us buy it, and I just didn't buy it. Is where I'm going with this. Well, and the thing is, like, we're analyzing it really closely, but I'm 90% sure this episode was just done to set up the rest of the episodes or, like, the next episode. Because it was some vital information we needed. It wasn't great, but, like... Okay, you could say that about every episode, though. (laughs) I mean, if a TV show is done well, every episode needs to lead into the next episode. I actually, like, I'm coming at it from a different angle than you guys. You guys, like, it's two different episodes merged together. I feel like it's kind of the opposite, that we got too much stuff with the hunt and that what it needed, because Game of Thrones episodes are classically kind of scattered all over the place. What we needed is maybe a third plot, like less hunt, and a third plot that was really exciting. So that we, when we took a break from that third plot, we're like, okay, now we're back with the hunt. Now we're back with the drama. But it was just like 45 fucking minutes of this <laughs> stuff. But it was just like, Jesus. Yeah, I actually specifically thought that at one point when one scene ended and then the next scene started and it was still with Viserys. I was like, man, they're spending a lot of time here. And then I was like, wait, yeah, this isn't Game of Thrones. There's only two groups of people. There isn't really anywhere else <laughs> to cut to. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we should... I. I would have loved to see more of Damon. Clearly, they didn't really have all that much for Damon and and Corliss and all them to do this episode. But like, I don't know. I feel like this episode was sorely missing one of those like like Game of Game of Thrones season one scenes, like you know the Robert and Cersei, like what's bigger, five or one, or like a Littlefinger Varys scene. You know, like one of those. Just like it doesn't 
move the plot forward. It's just a really well-written, solid character scene where it's like, if you don't have that much that you need to happen, that's fine. But you got to fill it with something like that otherwise. And like just some kind of scene I, I between Damon and Corliss, just even one scene just to split up the hunt a little bit, just getting some character stuff you know, between them, I think would have really helped this episode out. Yeah, because good, like good writing scenes like that, they're not violent, but they, I think you get the same satisfaction out of them that you do get out of a battle, which was kind of the brilliance of the original, like first few seasons of Game of Thrones. Like, sure, they could only afford the battle in the last few episodes, but like the conversations were so fucking exciting that you didn't necessarily need a battle all the time. Whereas like this, it's like, yeah, like anytime they talked, I mean, you had Viserys kind of dunking on the Lannisters a little bit, and that was cute, but it wasn't intense in the way that those like duel of the wits between uh the spider and the little finger were i'm not going to say his name because i'm going to fuck it up like i did last time <laughs> and just get stuck in a in a time loop but uh yeah also a very modern pug in this episode yeah that was so strange actually that was that was literally the only note that i took was uh the pug is weird lol <laughs> yeah i like i that's one of those things where it's like I don't know when pugs like came to be as a breed. It's like, I'm sure this was like properly researched. And like in this time period, a pug might've existed. You know, there's a lot that goes into this show. I'm sure the pug was thought out, but it's just such, it's just huge tonal dissidence where I, all I could think of that entire scene was just like, what the fuck is a pug doing here? Nah, I mean, yeah. It's possible they did that, but disagree. Right? I'll give it. To, I'll send it to you in a second, Hannah. But like, the pug may be the worst option, in my opinion. First of all, I hate pugs. I do not subscribe to the idea that a dog can be so ugly it's cute. That doesn't work. Things are just so ugly that they continue to be ugly. Okay, and so pugs are horrifying. They've been bred to death. They have difficulty breathing. Like it. It. I look at that. I'm like, this is such a modern monstrosity of a dog that almost any other shitty little dog would have done fine but no it's like clearly a purebred fucked up face pug it's like ugh, what a terrible option sorry hannah go ahead no but my favorite thing about that is that like pugs when they look that fucked up when they're originally bred they they had the they had like less of a bulbous head so the bitches could like whelp naturally but to have a pug to look like that, there's no way the mom birthed it. They can't do a C-section on the fucking queen, but they're doing C-sections on pugs. Like, <laughs> that's all I could think about while watching that scene. Or does that mean they could have done a C-section on the queen? They chose the not to. Conspiracy goes ever deeper. The Did it unlock the conspiracy two episodes in a row? My God. Hashtag pug theory. Get a, get a twitting on Twitter, people. Hey, you know what? They they fully cut the Maester's conspiracy out of the original series, so they're shoving it back into this one. Oh my goodness. Yeah, speaking of Maester's, I mean, I, uh, I, I don't remember seeing him at all, but then after that we have a scene of, I believe it's Jason Lannister trying to uh, put the moves on Rhaenyra, and oh, like... <laughs> This was just awkward to see because Rhaenyra is not an idiot and it took her way too long to figure out what was going on. In fact, he spelled it out. So it's just like I would have really liked her 
to do what Viserys does in the following episode, where he has some like playful back and forth where we know he's not even considering it, but where he goes like, do you have any dragons to offer? Where she was just like completely ignorant to the fact that this wealthy, handsome, young, unmarried gentleman is like talking up his lands to her. Come on, Rhaenyra, you're better than that, damn it. Yeah, and I know, like, a lot of her character stuff in this episode is that, like, she doesn't want to be forced into anything, and so that's maybe, like, not what's first on her mind, but you gotta be aware that people are gonna try, you know? Well, and she's 17 now. She's been able to get married for a couple of years. She's the heir to the realm, like, like, like Viserys said to her, like, what are you doing? You know this. You know this is what you have to do. So, like, the whole clueless act was weird. Yeah, especially because yeah. he's talking about getting all these proposals constantly. Literally no one talked to her, and she couldn't put two and two together. Yeah. Well, but he even says later in the episode, we've talked about this. Or, no, on the way to the hunt in the carriage. We had this conversation, like... So, I don't know. That was just... It was odd. I guess it was, they were trying to be funny, but it was not. <laughs> yeah anyway so then uh, we have again I should probably love these scenes because I'm a big Viserys fan but they just made me sad he does have a lot of of good uh, of good lines actually before that as I'm scrolling through the episode then like Viserys and Rhaenyra have a very public fight and like I'm sure she they talk about duties but this fight just felt to me like it was the first time that she was really become aware of that, like the clock's ticking on this marriage thing. Um, anyway, then they spot the white heart, which has been a symbol of the Kingswood before Dre Blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm sure. I guess that that's important. And apparently, maybe they threw this in there because famously, and by famously, I mean, I've only become aware of it within the past week, but I'm going to pretend I knew this entire time. Uh, George R. R. Martin's least favorite scene from the original Game of Thrones, at least season one, was the hunt um with bobby b because he had his in mind this uh royal hunt as we see in this show and in that one i think it was uh barrison selmy bobby b and renly wandering into the woods with spears ah the classic royal hunt so it's like ah okay so maybe this is just the thing that george really wanted and uh fine he gets his wish we get to see the full the full thing oh so i was gonna say i've I feel like even if this is more realistic and like much more what it would actually have been like, I feel like because it's like this whole thing, I, it, it felt to me like they were using the hunt to set up to the, like this whole big point that they were trying to make that never really ended up coming across. Um, whether it was, you know, that Viserys maybe isn't as well suited because he has other people do things for him. Like Rhaenyra killed the boar later on by herself or like whatever it is, I, just because of how long it was going on. It's like, you can't have something that's, that's uh, like plot wise, such a big part of the episode and not really have it lead to anything. So to me, I actually like, I feel like too much was made of the hunt and it, it was actually kind of to the episode's detriment. Yeah. Agreed. Sorry, right, Hannah, do you have any thoughts on the royal hunt? I just thought it was like I'm I'm kind of getting 
over them shoving down our throats how weak Viserys is. Like, they've been doing it the past three episodes now. And, like, I get it. He's he's a soft dude. Like, we didn't need to have the whole butchering of the poor heart creature. I don't know. I didn't like it. Yeah, like it, we're now getting cognitive dissonance because like he's been running the the kingdoms for the past three years. Other than a war that his brother got involved in, things seem to be going fine. So like we have empirical proof that he's a good king, and every opportunity that the, the show has to tell us is just like, yeah, but by the way, this guy is shit, and he's not he's not clear to rule. It's like clearly he does a couple things right. Can he not get like I feel like the other episodes. He took his L's, but there were a couple wins where it was like, ah, at least he did this. And this one, it was just like nonstop L's, which I guess is, explains the state that he's in. Um, anyway, so then I'm sure for the book readers, this is a big scene. And we're going to realize how big of a scene this is coming up because this seems to be a romance they're shoving down our throats. But then Rhaenyra takes off and Sir Kristen Cole, Sir Crispin, uh, runs after her and... Uh, it reminded me of something I cannot remember the show or the movie for the life of me, but uh, it reminded me. I, I feel like I watched something in the past year where they talked about how terrible the chase scene was in the woods. Specifically, it was a bad chase in the woods. And I can't remember what the show or movie was, but oh, it might have been Obi Wan Kenobi. It was exactly Obi Wan. Terrible Kenobi. chase scenes in that show. Yes, that was definitely hundred percent. That's exactly it. So I just like tracked it by like tabbing forward. 10 seconds at a time here from the time that Rhaenyra gets on her horse to the time they get off their horses at the serene, beautiful romantic lake. It is 50 seconds. That is way too long. That is the end of the Batman. When Batman and Catwoman are on their motorbikes and it's just these gratuitous shots of stunts, people riding shit. So I was like, this is too much. And then it kept going for double the time. Like I got it. They went far, <laughs> but like, Man, this is it really just contributes, I think, to the episode feeling like it has bloat for the first time. Yeah, and I understand like Rainier is running away because she's upset how with how everything's happening, but I sort of thought something just more significant would happen while she's gone. Um, I mean, obviously getting attacked by a boar is like personally significant to her. That'd be super scary and dangerous, but like I just kind of it's just another thing in this episode where like I feel like they were trying to set something up to make a point or have like an interesting scene and then it was just kind of fine you know like there's nothing wrong with any of the scenes when she's gone but I feel like they were trying to make some big point out of it that just never really came together yeah it's just such a tired trope of like the princess who I mean I actually I saw someone online who basically said this is the plot of Aladdin and you're not far off where it's like the princess is like, but I'm trapped in this castle. Meanwhile, people in the streets are like starving and dying constantly. Ah, I may be the prince of dragons, but I have no teeth or whatever the hell she says. And then Sir Kristen's like, I'm sure many people would uh, gladly trade their place with you. I mean, it's just such a cliche, tropey conversation. It makes her come off as a bit of a brat, which I yeah, feel like is not she... the goal. Exactly, exactly. This was, I mean, her character definitely took a, a, a big hit this episode. I'm I'm not sure that I realized that before we started talking about it, but that seems to be a conclusion that I'm coming to. They they did her dirty. 
Anyway, uh, is Hannah, are you being uh, conspicuously silent because as a book reader, you know too much? Uh, like, as a book reader watching this episode, like, I understand why they included what they did. I guess I don't critique shows exactly like you guys do. So as a book reader, for me, it's like a filler chapter in a book where you just keep crumbling stuff along and like, fine, this is what we have and we'll move on. I just, eh. we'll see. You guys will see. I mean, maybe we'll eat our words next week, but yeah, we might be eating our words next week. We'll see. I mean, these are all important, but it's like, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this on our regular nerds of the North as well, Matt, but I've now watched the first two episodes of the rings of power the new lord of the rings show and i thought it was spoilers if you're ready to hear my impressions on the real thing i thought it was fine it wasn't necessarily bland because like it has diverse casting it was bland because it was bland like it was okay but then i found out that lord of the rings apparently unlike nearly every other show that i've ever heard of they signed on for five seasons so one of the people that i heard talking about it was like yeah, they're going slow because they have the confidence they're going to be around for five seasons. And maybe Game of Thrones or maybe House of the Dragon here is doing something similar. It's like we're confident that we have people in for the long haul. But like TV is so good now. <laughs> and you're competing. The number one fantasy series is competing with arguably the number two fantasy series. So like you don't really have time for only OK episodes here. Because I'll stop watching you and go watch Better Call Saul, which I haven't seen yet, and people say it's fantastic. You know, like I think maybe in a book, you're you're kind of uh, you bought the whole thing at a time, so it's like, well, you know. But I can just stop watching this show, and I could definitely see a few people might hop off at this episode, maybe get back into it once the season's done. But the impact that that has on the zeitgeist, especially when your arguably number one competition is releasing at the exact same time. So you guys remember, I don't think it has happened that much lately, but like the string of suspiciously similar movies that got released at the same time, Mm -hmm. like the prestige, as well as that Edward Norton, the magician movie came out like within six months, babe and Gordy. Remember Gordy, anybody that two like friends with benefits and no strings attached. Exactly. This kind of feels like that. Ants and a bug's life. Ants and a bug's life. Dinosaurs and. Another dinosaur movie, time. I'm pretty sure. I think The Land Before Time was way before that, but there was definitely oh, another God. dinosaur movie that came out. Yeah, yeah. Dinosaurs. Yeah. So we have another situation like that, except we have so much to watch. So that's why like a filler episode is, I'm not going to say unacceptable, but it's not a good sign. It's uh, it's not something that we could just like, you know, get our teeth and, and take it. You gotta, this, this shit's gotta be fire every time, especially because we're trying to redeem something bad. So two... Very good episodes does not a Game of Thrones legacy redemption make. Yeah, and as well, like, because I'd seen a lot of the same stuff with criticisms of of Lord of the Rings, where it's like, oh no, like it's just it's a slow burn. They're setting things up, and I think it has a bit of the same issue with this. It's like that's fine, like setup or like even filler, slow burn, whatever, doesn't mean boring. There are like lots of episodes of Game of Thrones. Not much happens. It's just a lot of scenes of people talking, but it's fucking great. You know, like the, um, 
so so many scenes you know like the you don't know cold from Alistair Thorne or or Eamon's speech to John in season one it's like those don't progress anything like it's not moving along at a lightning pace but they're just excellent scenes and so it can be the episode overall can be slow it can set up it can even be filler um just because it doesn't move the plot forward or is uh you know super action heavy or anything doesn't mean that it can't be interesting um and yeah i just i saw that come up so much with with the lord of the rings show and i think it fits for this episode too where it's like filler and setup and slow moving stuff can still be exciting just needs to be yeah. better written and especially when you have like filler could almost work better in a movie or a book or a tv show that doesn't get released week to week but like when you have it week to week it it always you need to bring it every single week not in the same way as you just said Matt but it's like um i mean i guess it didn't work for everybody so it's not the perfect example but i really like that batman movie i brought up earlier that's a slow burn. That movie's slow as fuck. But I thought it was interesting the entire time. Uh, that's just a recent example I can think of. But yeah, the, if you don't have a lot of plot to fill it, you, you got to stuff character stuff in there. That's all. Exactly. Exactly. OK, so let's talk about. Uh, oh, no, we're not quite at that scene yet. We have the first the uh, ironically, because there's a spear involved, the jousting scene between uh, Viserys and uh, Jason Lannister. So this was a pretty funny scene. But again, I can only take so much Viserys sass while seeing how miserable he is. This is like Paddy Considine continues to just fucking bring it. I think he's been um, the only consistently fantastic character because he's really been the only one who's consistently had stuff to do. Like this was not a big episode for Otto or Corliss who stole the previous ones. Um, but Patty Considine continues to be fantastic. So he gets handed the, the spear. He's like, oh, it's quite a thing. Like, <laughs> just such a standard thing to say. And then there's a little bit of jousting where it's, uh, as I said earlier, do you have dragons to offer? Was a great line. And this is when you get kind of it comes to uh, a head where Jason's like, so you're going to like be, you know, naming Aegon. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, I guess this is a nice way and we're okay watching a Lannister get embarrassed, but mm, I just <laughs> I just I just didn't love it. Just didn't love it as like this family drama comes out in the kind of in this moment. Didn't love how they played it. Yeah, I I actually really liked the scene, but then going back to it, I was like, this makes less sense. Uh again, once you consider that there's a time jump here. Um where like this may have been the first time that anyone said it out loud to the king, so I totally understand him kind of coming down on on Jason Lannister. But also like this can't have been the first time that he's heard something like this, even if it's just rumors. Like this shouldn't be a surprise to him that it kind of seems like it is. Or it's like again, three years of this has been going on. Surely he would have heard something about this by now, even if no like you know like a no one like a lord has actually brought it up to him to his face like this shouldn't be a shock yeah like he's got that great line where he says i, did, I came here to hunt and not be suffocated by all this fucking politicking so maybe he is rhaenyra's father because like bro what where do you think you live what world do you think you live in that you could just come here and this won't be a question you should have been 
like he was he the problem we had with him in the previous episode is that he's too nice and he's trying to please people and he kind of summarized it later on in the episode where he says i can't you know make one person happy without making another person miserable or something along those lines that's his problem his problem is not that he's an idiot so he, he just should have been prepared and i cannot believe that Otto would have held his tongue for two years Otto and the maester when they were putting more you know uh maggots on his hand and then cutting the fingers off as we see later none of them said for three years i do not believe you yeah i feel like oh sorry just haven't heard from her in a while no i'm here i just it's valid i took it as more like when he's drinking and like getting sassy and stuff that he's tired of hearing about it and hearing the whispers about it. Cause he's set on his decision, but then he starts like rethinking things a bit, which ultimately leads to nothing. Just feels like a whole nothing sandwich problem. Like, yeah. I mean that Viserys is dealing with, not that you guys are talking about <laughs> Anyway, so then we get the one character in both episodes who uh, who who speaks any sense. Our boy Lionel Strong comes in here and uh, gives again, like kind of alluded to it earlier, gives the argument that would have made the most because like me Otto proposes marrying his daughter to his son. Damn boy, gross. <laughs> I mean, I guess it would work, but you. Um, but then Lionel also, Strong like, comes would in. it work though? Because by the time uh, Aegon is is old enough to have kids, Rhaenyra is going to be like, like not out of time, but like by medieval standards, she's going to be old. And so it seems like an odd match, actually, because she's, again, just by medieval standards, she's going to be in her early 30s by the time... Uh, she's going to be having kids. So it's like for the King, I don't actually don't feel like that makes a whole lot of sense. If the goal is to get heirs, you would want to start now. I would think you don't want to wait like 15 years, but Matt, when would an older mother giving, having a difficult pregnancy, when would that ever backfire on the King? I mean, it doesn't come up. They have the best medical care in the seven kingdoms. It would not be a problem. Well, and, and and Otto definitely wouldn't suggest that just so he could try to ensure in the easiest way possible that his grandson sits on the throne. No, he yeah, would exactly. never do that. I think Matt made an argument for the fact that Otto said it. But anyway, anyone in comes, I, <laughs> even though we don't like the episode that much, we uh, have no problem talking about it. So in comes Lionel Strong with the the logical answer, the kind of objective, the Reddit logical answer, which is what I saw last week, where people were like, what was Viserys supposed to do? Well, how about you marry Rhaenyra to Lenor? I think is his name, right? Corliss's yeah. son. Yeah. It's like, well, that actually solves every problem that you had. Like, you have an older king, and sure, you don't know, you know, what's he going to do? Whatever. But then yeah. you have a clear line of succession. You've merged the Valyrian, or, well, that's not the name of the families, but you've merged the Valyrian blood, is what you've done. And it's not gross. And it's not because they're yeah. I don't know if exactly, but they're pretty close to the same age. They weren't before and now they are. <laughs> yeah. Based off the way they've cast these actors. So kind of, again, objectively the right choice, which is why we can guarantee uh, that he won't be listened to. 
Anyway, so after that, we have another scene of Kristen and Rhaenyra. This time they're around a fire. They probably, I, they just could have merged the two scenes, right? Like they didn't need them walking in and sitting by a fire. You could have thrown some of her lamenting about her station around the fire. They get attacked by a boar. So I'm sure everyone here had Bobby B flashbacks. Well, maybe not mm -hmm. Anna because she knew what was going to happen. Uh, and then she takes out her rage on said boar. Uh, and that's just the end of the scene. It's like, okay, she's frustrated. I spent three minutes to learn something I, I already knew. What's like the, not that they're the greatest writers in the world, but they're probably the writers I've heard the most interviews from, it being the uh, the Endgame writers, uh, McFeely and, and uh, Marcus, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Mm -hmm. And they talked costly about how in these big epics, you always need to have a scene do more than one thing. Time is too precious. You cannot have a scene do only one thing. And a couple of these scenes, I thought, were only doing one thing, and it was something we already knew. I get it. I get that she's frustrated. I don't need to see it again. I already understood it from, like, the three previous scenes. It's like a hat on a hat on a hat. Yeah, and I feel like this is, this is the perfect scene for some, like, meaty character stuff. Like, literally sitting around a campfire. You know, like, it, it makes me think of... Um, the scene with Arya and Yorin, where he talks about the guy who killed his brother. It's like, that contributes nothing to the actual story, but it's an incredible scene. And like, here we like literally sitting around a campfire and the scene is basically just like, do you think people will accept me? And he's like, yes. And like, wait, something's in the woods. It's like, guys, you could have, there just could have been so much more here. I just feel like it was a real missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. Hannah? No, I just I don't have too much to add. It was just dry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Usually, no, we're I'm too so much good to at our jobs. About, but it's just <laughs> yeah. like you guys are covering it, and it's just me. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that's sort of just you know emblematic of some of the problems with this episode, where it's just like there's not that much to talk about for some of it because it's like it's like you know all there is to say. It's like well, there could have been more. There wasn't really actually all that much here. The scene was. Fine. It was not that interesting. Next scene, another scene that was fine and not much happened, and you know, so on and so forth. I think the next scene, I mean, it's probably still my favorite in the episode, but it's like that's not saying too much. Um, but it like just it's mostly because I thought that Patty Considine once again is just carrying the scenes that he's in. I mean, he's so good, and it's kind of tough. To understand where Allison is coming from, because like in the previous episodes and from the interviews, and I uh, subscribed to the official uh, Game of Thrones podcast, which is started with House of the Dragon, as far as I can tell. So that should be a, a sign of where they think the franchise is going. Um, that I, I saw a couple people that I listened to uh, reference, so I meant to listen to it myself. But everything that we heard before, we we said it a ton last episode, is that Allison was being honest. And she was like, maybe she's not in love with like a 50 year old man, but she was being honest. So maybe the biggest change is like, she now seems to be a little more subtly manipulative. Like when she walks up there and she's like, what do you think, husband? What do you think, my lover? I think like in front of other people, sure, call him, talk to him like that. But I, I guess I just kind of expected after all these years, and this is like, he, Viserys talks later, and this may be just because he's a fool, because he is a fool, but he, he basically admits that he married for love this time. And I just kind of thought, again, he's not that dumb. 
she's speaking to him in the same flowery maiden type way. And then he's given like a real serious opinion since she's like, ah, my dear, what do you think? Of, you know, like they just they seem to be on different uh, on different levels. I also thought that Viserys, he had what I thought was like almost because I'm cheering for Viserys. I know he's going to die, but I'm cheering for him. Uh, but he had almost a fantastic line, I thought, where he said, many in my lines, many in my line have been dragon riders. Few have been dreamers. And I thought, I don't know about you guys, I thought he meant Rhaenyra wants to change things. She yeah. has visions. Oh, I, I get that. Yes, Hannah, I get that. No, but like what I thought, I was like, I just thought he was a good dad because he is like kind of a good dad for Westeros standards. But I thought, oh, okay. So this is his like, it's important that she's a dragon writer, sure, but this is a person with actual dreams and ideas. And I don't want to crush that by putting her into some stupid marriage. And then instead, he took a left turn and he was like, no, uh, she she might have the power of prophecy. And it's like, okay, damn it. You were so close. Ugh. Yeah, so I feel like sometimes the Targaryens fall into the trap of like, we're better and cooler because we have these inherent powers. And it's like, it doesn't make you more interesting, though. <laughs> like, I understand that it means things to you, but like, it doesn't make me care more. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I know but... you got something this time. Well, no, I'm I'm a, a lore nerd. So to me, that was like he was doing a callback to Daenys the Dreamer, who was the daughter of the Targaryens that came over from Old Valyria. She had visions of the doom of Old Valyria. And um, then they fled to Dragonstone, where they lived for 100 years before Aegon um, the Conqueror, the first Aegon, conquered Westeros after he had a vision. So it's a big thing in the Targaryen family to be a dreamer. Like the last two they had basically changed the course of the family's history. So he thought that was going to be him. He thought he had this greatness and now he's like having a midlife crisis or whatever in this, it would be in this medieval age. Like I thought I was a dreamer. I thought I was going to be change the family, but I'm just, I'm just normal and I hate it, you know, and I lost, all, and I lost my first wife because of it. That's kind of how I took that one. Yeah. That I, sounds that's really interesting. I would have liked it if they <laughs> made that more apparent. If it succeeded. Yeah. But it's just like the phrasing of it. It got too close to other tropes. And I was like, oh, he's going to be a good. Nope. Yeah, I know. Because nope. like in, in two different book series I read, they talk about dreamers as people who want to like change the world and stuff. So like unless you know that piece of lore, you're going to take it that way. Yeah, a shame. Speaking of uh, unnecessarily long scenes, which we weren't, but let's just say that. Uh, then we have the murdering of the not white, more brown uh, heart. So again, when I was watching this, I was like watching this kind of squinting because I just I figured like this guy's drunk off his ass. He's like really looks like shit this entire episode. I just thought he was going to slip and fall and impale himself on one of the heart's uh, antlers. Which is not how he dies, but maybe that's going to be like some anti-final destination where every episode they'll give us a way Viserys could have died until eventually he does go down to something and then it'll be like, oh, that was actually the one, huh? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just 
I've, I've openly campaigned. I know they make sense of enemies. I've openly campaigned. And by that, I mean, said it on my very mediocrely successful podcast uh, that I just think video games should have like a no dog mode, particularly when I was playing The Last of Us, because then like killing the dogs really visceral. But just like, OK, I don't care if I just have to like kill polygons instead of dogs and it takes me out of the experience. Sure. Get the dog killing out of there. I don't want to have to hear another stupid like a uh, fake dog whinny when it's stabbed. It's terrible. I don't want to do it. And I didn't want to hear their digital effect deer dying in this scene. So it's like, yeah, he's not a good hunter and he missed on the first blow. Great. That's just an unpleasant scene to watch. I understand this one, maybe they lengthened it intentionally so you could see how shitty he was, but still. Like, I, there's probably a really good half-hour version of this episode is where I'm going with this. Well, and, like, how many times do we need drawn-out scenes showing how shitty Viserys is at, like, being competent in typical ways? Exactly. Or, like, the, <laughs> that all the signs of the realm are... Like, we, we got it with the throne. It was clear enough. Clear-cut, even. It. Like... Yes. And then the hand rotting, and that was a lot. So it's like, man, we've got it. And and speaking of scenes that need to do more than one thing at a time, this was another scene that only did one thing, and it's something that we already knew. <sighs> Matt, you're the quiet one this time. Or yeah. Hannah and I nailed it. Well, <laughs> I mean, sort of. I just, I really expected the king killing the stag to, like, amount to something a lot more, because it's just... Like the entire episode is leading up to this and they clearly are trying to make a point about it because immediately after they have the scene where Rhaenyra sees the white stag. Um, you know, I guess, you know, she's the, she has the true power or she's, you know, more worthy or whatever. So she sees the, you know, the white stag that her father was looking for. It's like, yeah, sure. That's, that's a fine point to make. But like we spent 40 minutes getting here you could have done this a lot more succinctly. I just, I really expected it to, to amount to a lot more than it did. It's not that like, like nothing was bad. It was just with all the lead up, I really thought it was going to be more than it was. Yeah. It's and then like, the white stag scene. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Anna. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the, the pre-show chat we had where you're talking about the restaurant you went to and how like nothing was bad, but all of these little things just made it like, not great yeah and that's kind of like how the sh the episode turned out yeah also i have a pet peeve for like unnecessarily cgi animals and so like there's three cgi animals in this <laughs> and i totally understand why two of them need to be cg uh there is no reason this the white stag needed to be cg like and they don't even look bad i actually thought the boar looked great but the other one it's just like for me it's like Obviously, you're not going to kill an actual animal, but like, there's no reason they couldn't have just like hitched an actual deer to a post and then just cut away when the king stabbed it with a spear. Because even if it looks good immediately, I'm just like, oh, that's a CG deer. And instead of paying attention to the scene, I'm sitting there like looking at the deer, analyzing how good the effects are. And obviously, sometimes you need to do it. The boar scene, you couldn't have done it with a real boar. But like, it's just like two scenes right in a row where I'm just like, hmm, that's a pretty good CG deer. Oh, wait, what was that scene about? I don't know. I was looking at the CG deer. I thought the white heart looked like a Pokemon. I saw it and I saw Xerneas. 
I thought like just the the face that just seemed weird to me. It, Especially yeah, it because like off. they it zoom in on the face, face. like they Why really make a so big? Yeah. Like it, it it looked I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's been an image going around Twitter over the last few days. It's like there's a cat with like the face of a man. Like it's a regular cat. I don't think it's CGI. <laughs> But like it's a natural cat that's in the uncanny valley because it looks like a dude that got turned into a cat. It's like, hmm, this is weird. And like this thing just looked like it was gonna do some like Mewtwo telepathic talking to Rhaenyra shit. And also, if this is supposed to be their big moment, like their whole Rhaenyra is the one true queen. Like, if that's what you thought we were getting this episode leading up to, it didn't work. <laughs> And if you thought, like, if this was supposed to be the turning point where now she realizes it, I didn't get that from her face either, you know? I, whatever they were trying to go through in this moment, I was just like, okay, so, like, that's more heavy-handed symbolism. Um, yeah. Just just didn't work. Okay, so moving on. Moving on. So apparently, and I, I try to... Uh, avoid spoilers where i can but uh as as it had already happened when i was chatting with hannah off air and uh it there's, there's a risk of it i saw in the house of the dragon subreddit or someone made a post that was like hey uh book spoiler people you're not as clever as you think you are I'm like stop talking about stuff but one of the things that i did see when i almost wish i didn't was that apparently this conversation um with Alicent and Otto <laughs> is not a conversation that Alice and Otto have in the books. Of course, it's a history book, but kind of they're not necessarily on the same side that they were in the book or something like that. So that might be interesting to see keeps book readers on their toes. But uh, I mean, I thought it was a fine scene. You finally get, um, you can finally get Otto being a little conniving but like Alicent being kind of warm and ignorant to like oh yeah Rhaenyra's gonna be a good queen all that kind of stuff it just didn't didn't play with how um disingenuous she was to Viserys earlier like none of the none of the characters seem like they had the same viewpoint from scene to scene might be the best way to describe it yeah and this is another one for me where it's like even if the two of them haven't specifically had this exact conversation before. It's like, there's no way this is a surprise. You have to know that people are talking about this stuff. Like it, it makes Alicent seem stupid. And like, maybe she is kind of naive, but like, she's not a little kid. She should know that this stuff is happening. Or it just makes her seem like a, a weaker character. Yeah. Well, in this scene, like she went from, anxious teenager last scene to like placating motherly kind of wifey figure like it just it was weird i don't know and like i, I guess that was kind of a weird point to make but like it just it seems like her character's all over the place right now i don't know yeah no you're absolutely right a lot of the characters kind of are all over the place and then you get right after that you get maybe the most clear scene of the episode where Viserys and Rhaenyra have a conversation where he's like, Hey, I, I don't mean to depose you, but again, like I won't re-say it. I won't re-say it too much. Um, I'm still me, but <laughs> I will re-say it because we said a lot at the beginning of the episode, just like you guys at no point ever had anything approaching this conversation 
in the three years like nothing even like this is everyone seems surprised by this like especially because Viserys has really made no intention anywhere else like he keeps like refusing things so like yeah it just kind of again like I said earlier it's the trope of two people that could resolve a problem if they just fucking talked about it and they don't fucking talk about it, which we can accept in small doses per episode. But when you have a three-year jump, it just stretches that uh, believability. Yeah, this is just another. It's it's hurt by the time jump. It's like I feel like things should have just been rearranged into different episodes, so you have all these conversations before the baby. Even if, I mean, maybe they don't want to do a time jump in the middle of an episode but i i might have cleaned things up a little bit yeah like it's just another thing it's like it makes the characters seem kind of dumb because it's like these things could maybe be coming to a head but they shouldn't be coming out of nowhere yeah i mean it's it, in then and he does do a good thing where he tells her you gotta marry but you can make your own match and he does tell him like i don't want to replace you and like these are important things but maybe Maybe even the framing of the scene, like maybe that's like an intense campfire, like drunken honesty moment. Like this was just like they're so composed in the small council room. It was like a weird place to have like these deep emotional um, like if it's been this long and you've avoided talking about it for this long. I feel like that's the time where it's, you know, you, you have to have some sort of outside contrivance for why they finally got honest as opposed to just, well, they felt like talking about it now. Yeah, well, like most of the stuff feels like it happens the next day. No, no, go ahead. Well, no, it just seems like it's like the trope of like they each have their own like catalyst to sort of start processing it. And then they come together after it and work it out. You know, it was just very it happens on TV shows a lot. Like he got drunk and killed the stag he didn't even want to kill, really and rambled to his wife and made a scene and she had a tantrum went out in the bush killed the boar came back victorious and i think it, like you guys have been saying it it was supposed to mean a lot more than it did but like it to me it just looked at like sorry I'm rambly today but um to me it just seemed like a typical like conflict episode in a sitcom kind of thing but it in westeros i don't know Sorry. No, you're you don't have to apologize. I think you're dead on. I think we agree with everything you said. I uh I just rewinded the episode to try and see a previous thing because there were a couple sick burns in this one. One was uh where Lenor says to his uncle, because we're finally at the battle scene, so let's just move there. Um because Allison's uh eventually convinced Viserys to um to join the war. But I just was looking earlier, so Rhaenyra, it's not as actually as great of a burn as I thought it was. And how have you served the realm by eating cake as the pug chomps on some cake? That was okay. That's like a, a C insult. But Master of Complaints was like a, was like a definitely was wonderful. A, yeah. an A-plus bird that just kind of came out of nowhere. And it works because that's, that's the type of Game of Thrones shit we're here for. Especially because that's a character that we've never met before talking to another character we've never met before. It's like, ah, yes, finally, a scene that's accomplishing multiple things. We are learning new stuff about these characters through the sharp writing in a lot, a lot of time. That is what I'm here for. Finally, just took a 
fucking 50 minutes to get there. Almost exactly, by the way. I'm looking at the clock here. Almost exactly 50 minutes to get to that line. Goodness. Yeah. Anyway, so then we get the, the messenger that comes in. And uh, Damon uh, lands. He just stares at people. No words. Does a lot of acting. But no words, which is a shame because he's a great actor when he talks to. And then he beats the shit out of the messenger briefly before someone stops him. And then you understand that he's finally gone for the plan where he's going to be the the bait. So now we can talk about the logistics of this and why maybe they didn't have the budget to make the island that they're fighting on compelling. But like the cave thing doesn't work when they have a lot of archers, but the archers were exposed because the dragon did get the archers. So. Can I just say like in this show i can i can go with the whole suspension of disbelief for a lot of things but after damon takes n- not only an air an arrow to the shoulder and gut but to the knee and just keeps going i'm like this this is not what ha- what is going on here this is weird but that was yeah it. like maybe a shot of him like wearing some sort of cuz i know i i saw it when i was addicted to that show back in the day did you guys ever watch it the deadliest warrior oh yeah that was a, like a weekly watch for me, like mandatory viewing. There is an, I think it was, I forget who wore it, but there's definitely armor that you can make that's basically like a really, I'm going to describe poorly, like a really tight pillow, but like it's down, like pressed on each other. And it was actually pretty resistant to arrows. I remember that, like arrows to get stuck in it. So like maybe they had some scene of him like, that's not what they're going for, though. They're clearly like, Damon's too much of a badass to get stopped by an arrow. <laughs> it's like, ugh. Yeah, I, I feel like there's just a lot of technical things with this scene that just really, yeah, break the suspension of disbelief, or they're just, they, they just kind of don't work. I mean, his whole, um, like, mad dash escaping all the archers, it's like, and these these archers kind of suck. These were the guys that were stopping your like thousand strong army. It's like, you know, like just just things, a bunch of things in a row that just kind of weren't believable. And it's like that just everything seemed too easy and convenient. And this was not believable as like kind of the last act of desperation that like won this multi-year conflict. It's like it, it seemed quite simple. I know they tricked them. Um but I, I really expected this to be a much more difficult thing than it ended up being. It all just seemed kind of convenient. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. I mean, like the, one of the reasons that we all fell in love with Game of Thrones early on, if not actually the literal reason that we all fell in love with Game of Thrones, is that it seemed to be the show that was immune to plot armor, right? Like the first big like holy fucking shit moment was ned dying like bobby b dying okay well you know that's a bit of a shame and the kid getting thrown out the window okay but like ned was the main character and then ned dies like holy fucking shit and then they pull the red redding a few years later like motherfucker they did it twice and then they kind of stopped doing it actually why well, i mean i guess john dies but he gets better but this was like a show that was built on plot armor will not keep you safe in this world if you're supposed to die you'll die but not if you're Damon Targaryen. Also, like, the kind of master tactician, we literally get nothing. So, it's, first of all, is his name Crabass, Crabfeeder? That's what everyone keeps saying. No, but, like, they, I feel like someone called him Crabass or something like that. Maybe that's just, like, an insult that someone called him online, and now I'm going with it. Because that's not his name, actually. His name is Dragar. What am I talking about? 
I guess I just heard him call him, call him Crabass. And I was like, is that actually his name? Crabass? Whatever. Anyway, so if he's like this master tactician that he was holding dragons and the most uh, wealthy family in the realm at bay for three, and actually, not just at bay, winning badly is Viserys' exact quote. Winning badly. If he's this master tactician, they have the prince. They have archers on the walls, not in caves, on the fucking walls. What are you going out to talk to him for? Well, and what I don't get is, okay, so in the beginning we see Damon on Craxes. And then in the last battle, we see Laenor riding sea smoke. Why wouldn't they use both dragons at the same time? Well, see, Caraxes. I didn't even know there was uh, another dragon. Nap. Well, that's another <laughs> thing that pisses me off because, like, the only time we see Sea Smoke is when Lanor's riding him to like burn the, burn the archers. But like, that's the only thing that's talked about. It's not talked about that like Lanor's a dragon rider or anything like that. It's just if you don't know, you don't know, and it's just it was poorly done in my opinion. Yeah, and you can have a surprise reveal that like, oh my god, he is a dragon rider, but you have to kind of make a moment out of it. You can't just have it just casually happen. Like, I was fully confused. I thought Rhaenyra had shown up or something. It's like, you can do things, but they just need to be set up. Well, was there Uh, even a shot of Lanor riding Sea Smoke? Or was it just, because I'm trying to remember, I only watched that part. Not, once. not prior to uh, the fight. By the way, his name is Cragass. I, I, it was not Crabass, <laughs> but it's uh, Cragass Drehar. So, but still kind of a funny name. <laughs> yeah, and, and speaking of setup, the way that they just so easily dispatch of Cragass, uh, I, I feel oh, like yeah. it was really underwhelming. Like, like this, this is the guy who this was the final shot of the second episode was revealing this guy. And then he does, he sends a dozen guys one at a time to die. And that's it. And then he's just dead, like off screen death. So it's like, I guess he wasn't important at all. So now like retroactively, it kind of makes the end of episode two kind of lame. Because it's you, you end your episode on the reveal of a glorified henchman, essentially. Yes, I mean, like he you got a lot of setup. Line. Did, 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 he didn't even speak. Does he even get a Screen Actors Guild card? Don't you need a <laughs> line to get the Screen Actors? Yeah, Guild? like they set him up. He's got the the makeup on him is phenomenal. Like he's clearly got, uh, yeah, and he's clearly got grayscale. He's got like this really cool mask. It's like his eyes look cool. Like there was, I heard a lot of speculation that I thought was very interesting. It's like maybe he's feeding people to crabs because he too was eaten by. Like he was kind of propped up as if he might be this like fantastic recurring villain like i don't want to go with this is the only um villain that i can think that was introduced wearing a mask so forgive me but like not quite joker in the dark knight but he was announced like oh shit like this is like this is a real fucking problem and then it was like this is actually not that much of a problem see and that's one thing with the war of the stepstones and how they set it up in the first two episodes and how it just played out in front of us, that kind of makes me as a book reader like mad because in the lore, the War of the Stepstones isn't the biggest deal in the world. But in the show, they like hyped it up to be. And I was like, okay, they're going to make this cool. And then they like tailed the art in one episode. 
I feel I mean 15 minutes at the end of one episode where they yeah, dedicated exactly. dedicated most of the time to sitting around a campfire lamenting being a princess. But I, I think that they maybe made the mistake of thinking that we would get bored if we didn't have like a major fight early on. But like, nope, that's not the boring part. The boring part is the fight was bad and the stuff before it was unnecessary. That was the problem. Yeah. And to me, this this felt the same kind of way as um like the last Jedi reveal of like Ray's parents not being anybody. It's there's like <laughs> there's so clearly so much setup and intrigue and be like, oh, like you don't make a character look like this just because. Like you do this for a reason. And then turns out the reason is there isn't one. He's dead. It's done. Forget about it. Bye. I guess is smoke <laughs> confirmed. Snow confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. They're basically the like, same character. Like you can't it's it's like we were like tricked into into caring about this and then it was just sort of the rug was just kind of pulled out from underneath us and it's like it could have been cool you could have done something cool with it but instead like nope it's just don't worry about it. it's already done like i don't know it was just it was really underwhelming like i think the the shots of damon like pulling the like third of his body i thought was actually super cool um but like in that moment i was just like oh like I really thought we were going to get something here. I wanted to know about this guy because he seemed cool. And we just, it's just nothing. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I just rewatched kind of in the background as you're chatting. Uh, like, really not particularly exciting CGI with, with sea smoke. Like, we got a new dragon. For God's sakes, give us just one. I'll put a clean shot of him. And we really don't get it for a lot of times. Like most of the stuff that you see on the dragon is uh, Lanor's actor who's doing his best. New guy. Sure. Yeah. Just like clearly on a mount on like a little dragon model that they must have created, like leaning back and forth, shouting stuff on a green screen. And that's okay. That can happen. But like compared to where we were last episode where the dragons looked phenomenal and they seemed okay. Letting us just stare at them. Like that was the talk even in the first episode, right? Like, Oh, okay. It took us a while to get to this type of stuff in the in the Game of Thrones, but now now we've got a budget, and so we're gonna have these great scenes where um, Cyrax is gonna actually stare at Alicent and Rhaenyra talk, or like maybe they would have shoved him in the dragon pit earlier, but they like they can afford to render him just staring at them in the background, like ooh. And now it's like okay, well never mind that. <laughs> we just pretend you're on a magic carpet, yelling off the side of it. Yeah, the dragons have been presented so well up until now. The fact that like, you know, and they've been presented as clearly being different. And then this one's just like, oh, it's a dragon. It's like, we didn't even know that this dragon existed. It showing up should be a big deal. Yeah, agreed. And you can like, I mean, you can make the argument that someone like Hannah might know it from the books. But I mean, it's probably disappointing from a book reader's perspective. It's borderline unacceptable from a show watcher's perspective because the only reason I really knew what the fuck was happening was because I'm plugged into the reddits and the twitters and the podcasts and stuff like that if you're just like person with a couple kids who sits down to watch their fantasy show and that's really all the time you have for it because then you have to go read like the big cat hungry caterpillar or whatever the fuck after the episode's done you got no idea who the fuck this is yeah, even for me, for a couple of seconds, I was like, did someone steal Rhaenyra's dragon? 
because like we've literally never seen a non-targaryen without a dragon so like this also kind of needs an explanation for it to make sense like it's cool to see another dragon but like you, you kind of just can't if you're going to have it come out of nowhere you need to make you need to make it like a really cool shocking reveal you kind of can't just it can't be just another shot that happens to be there or just feels really out of place yeah great that's i think that's pretty much all i've got to say hannah you haven't heard from you in a little while so do you have final thoughts time now is the moment as a book reader it, it was very disappointing with the whole um sea smoke just like coming out of nowhere and it not being explained that valerians can be dragon riders as well because they have valerian blood and also rainy's targaryen is his mom and mm -hmm. like it's 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 justified to like the readers and stuff but like if you don't know that like you guys didn't it's just going to be weird and the show didn't address that at all and like it makes me wonder how they're going to handle stuff like dragon seeds which this is not a spoiler but a dragon seed is just like an average person who bonds with a dragon and like i'm excited about seeing like sunfire and vagar and melias and dreamfire and all these dragons that are supposed to be a part of the dance of dragons war but if they're just gonna do them dirty like they just did sea smoke in this episode that's just i'm not excited to see that then <laughs> well i mean the episode was it was so full with such uncuttable scenes that they really had no choice but oh, to you know slim down on this on the sea smoke stuff i mean you, we need those long walks we need the 50 seconds of riding for rainier and krista i mean how would we know where they're going without that almost a minute of horseback riding through the woods yep so it's unfortunate but they like the writers they're so in tune to the audience they know what people tune in for and it's not it's not dragons i mean i know this show is called house of the dragon but it could be called house of the people who ride with horses all right i think that was my sarcasm quota for the week so <laughs> <laughs> i think we're good we've been going on long enough uh, and we probably need to stop so we can watch something that brings us more joy but everyone out there have a great week have a safe week and we will see you next time